0: Good morning, everybody. How, is, how are you doing? I'm asking how you're doing because it's cold. You know? Did you guys hear we might get a snowstorm with Christmas? It's been forever. Who's excited about that? Good. Joe is. That's good. <laughs> I am too. Me and my sister have been praying for one, and God answered. So it's Ohio. It will be 70 the next day, I'm sure. Well, there was a verse that I wanted to read to you. Oh, my name is Micah Turnbull, pastor of the prophetic ministry. Um, We're gonna go into worship. I'm gonna read you a verse and we're gonna start singing, but you are totally invited to stand, to come to the front, go to the back. You can sit and worship. We love expression of worship. So feel free to express yourself the way you love to the Lord. I'm going to read you a verse here from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I woke up and this verse came to my head. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We love him because he first loved us. Okay. And we're able to imitate love because he loves us. And he is full of love. His light around the throne is a manifestation of love. And when we gaze into that light of love, we start to glow. So we're gonna glow today because we're gonna look at love. We're gonna be people of love. So please stand. Father, we thank you that you're full of light and you love us. And we take delight in you as you delight in us. Let us be people full of love. In Jesus' name, we enjoy you, God. Amen.
1: of communion so you guys uh, you can find the communion elements in the seat in front of you if you are in the front row you can find them underneath the chair on either end in a basket it's kind of funny to be leading communion so close to the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus we're about to celebrate the suffering and the sacrifice of Jesus it's fitting but it's kind of funny so I was asking a a couple days ago like Lord what would you have me say about communion on Sunday and my mind just kind of naturally always goes to the questions like why do we do communion and the simple answer to that is we do it because Jesus says in the Gospels of the accounts of the Last Supper do this in remembrance of me that's okay, well, why would you tell us to do that? <laughs> why would you tell us to do this in remembrance of you? There's no simple answer to that. There's a lot of reasons, I believe, that we should do that and that it is something that has been practiced in the Christian faith for all of time, basically. <laughs> no matter what, if you're Catholic, if you're, it's just across the board, something that everyone can agree on. You might do it differently, but we do it. So, and then I came across something that said, you know, doing t- partaking in communion doesn't make you a Christian, but it really does help you in your Christian faith. And I said, how does that help me in my Christian faith, Lord? And I felt like he said, there's something about going back to the beginning. You know, there's a lot of songs about that, but recentering to the very beginning of when I was found, right before I was lost, and how it became that I was found. And actually, could someone bring me a communion thing? Um, Thanks, Paul. There's something about recentering on Jesus and the suffering that he did. There's something about recentering ourselves and our hearts and our minds and our spirits on who he is and what he's done. Because it's nothing like he lived a full 33 years of life. And then suddenly he was like, I'm going to offer myself up to die a physical death so that you can have a spiritual eternal life. I'm 30 years old, I can't imagine three years from now saying like, oh yeah, just like crucify me on a cross with nails. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a deep and it's a serious and it's a, and a holy moment. So I thought we could all just take a moment to kind of go back to the beginning and remember the things that are, that are lost, that were lost before you found Jesus, the things that are currently lost or broken now because when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us he, it was a sign of the kingdom coming, and and the kingdom was coming. So it came, and it's coming. So it's a sign that Jesus, when he died and he suffered, he took all of the brokenness and the loss, and he came. He did it to redeem, and it it wasn't finished yet. His work is still doing. His work on the cross is still happening today. It's not quite. He's still redeeming and he's still reconciling the loss. So, let's just take 20 seconds and just recenter ourselves. Let the the things that in your life were broke that were broken before you met Jesus and say, "God, thank you for healing those things. Thank you for your suffering. That has brought healing thank you for the broken body that has brought healing to my life and think about the things that are still in progress jesus thank you that you died for those things too you suffered for those things too thank you jesus we fix our eyes and we recenter ourselves on you father You guys can grab your communion cups. In Luke twenty two nineteen, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you guys can go ahead and take it. And Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed to reconcile the lost and to redeem all of creation. I lost my scripture, but go ahead and take and drink it. Jesus, thank you. We worship you, and we, we recenter ourselves on you this morning. Thank you for your body that was broken, and your blood was that was shed, so that we could be found, so that we could be reconciled, so that all of creation could be redeemed in your name. We recenter ourselves on your sacrifice this morning. We love you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you band, you guys can turn around and say hi to someone around you.
2: Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Vineyard Northwest. Welcome everybody that's joining us on the live stream. My name is Amanda and I'm on staff here and I serve in our early childhood area of Northwest Kids. It's really great to see all you guys here. And I wanted to give a special welcome if it's your first time here. We're super stoked to have you here today. And if you'd like to get more connected, a really great way to do that is to fill out our Connect Card and stop by the Welcome Center, which is across from where you got your coffee this morning. You can fill out the Connect card by going to VineyardNorthwest.com or just scanning the QR code on the screen, and it will help you get connected. So um, there's a bunch of things coming up around here that we're excited to tell you about. The first is our Christmas Eve service. So on Christmas Eve, we'll be having a service here at 7 p.m., super family-friendly. There'll be no childcare, so bring your whole family. You're welcome to invite your neighbors, your relatives, your friends. It's open to everyone. It'll just be about an hour long. Um, And there'll be elements that are great for the kids as well. Um, So we'd love to have you here for that. And then the next day, we know that's a Sunday and it's Christmas Day, but we will not be having Sunday morning church. So you might want to write that down. It'd be really sad to show up and see that there's no church here. So (laughs) that's happening. And then on Christmas Day, we also will be doing something different. We have a Christmas Day outreach that we'd love to invite you to come to as well. Whole families, children are invited to participate. It's a great way to just serve our community, show them Jesus' love on Christmas Day. We'll be taking some groceries, some meals, um, and just getting to pray for people that really could use it on Christmas Day. So we'll meet here at the church in the atrium at 11 a.m., um, and then we'll kind of go out and do some awesome stuff. My family's done it the past few years, and I love it. It's just a tradition in our family. Our kids are super used to it. They're young, so they don't know anything different, but it's always been really powerful. Um, and then in January, on January 8th, Wanted to tell you guys that if you, it is one of your first times here, you're newer around here, we will have a newcomer's luncheon and that will be in the atrium at 1.15 after our second service. So we'd love to invite you to join us for that. So now I'm gonna invite Van up. He's gonna share um, this next announcement with us.
3: Good uh, morning, everyone. Um, I want to talk about children for just a moment, and I have two things to say. First, the Christmas Day outreach, uh, we've we've, um, been doing that for several years, a lot of families bring their kids, and I want to say, what better way is there for you to show your children the reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus than to take Christmas Day and do an outreach on that day? So I just want to say that'll do more for your kids than a year of family devotions, so I encourage you to bring them. Uh, The second thing has to do with our New Year's Day, and New Year's Day, we're having a service at 1130, one service, and as we're planning for that, um, you know, we have, every time we have a service, we have children's ministry, and we have an excellent children's uh, ministry here at the church. Amanda is part of the staff, as well as uh, Nicole Sullivan and uh, Diane Tomes. But uh, we also have a fantastic group of volunteers, people that volunteer on a regular basis to make the children's ministry something that is impacting these kids' lives and will change their lives forever. They're gonna be different people when they're 30, 40, 50 than they would be uh, without this ministry. Now, as we're planning for New Year's Day, with, uh, with everything, with the holidays, with travel and everything else, uh, we need a few more volunteers for that day. And uh, rather than uh, really put pressure on our regular volunteers, we'd like to kind of, kind of give them a break from that. And we would like to ask you to consider volunteering on just a one, one-time event, just that day at 1130 on New Year's. And uh, what you would do is, is you, you'll be instructed as to what to do. You'd be working with the children, with other people around you and with those that know exactly what's supposed to happen. So you're not going to be put into a, a space where you don't know what to do. But um, I want to say this, that first of all, we don't want to turn any children away that day. Okay? That's an important thing. And, and then secondly, there are more ways to worship than singing in sermons. Okay? We're, we're going to worship on New Year's morning. But you can worship through serving and serving is a powerful way to honor God. In fact, uh, recent research indicates that when you receive a gift, your serotonin level rises so far, but when you give a gift, it like, rises way beyond that. And, and so giving, who said that? Someone said giving is more blessed than receiving. Didn't they, Jesus said that, okay? I was thinking you would all get that. <laughs> Jesus said that, okay? Uh, It's more blessed to give than to receive. If you want extra joy on New Year's Day, then give by serving in the children's ministry. Here's how to do it, okay? It's right here on the screen. Uh, New Year's Day, are you willing to volunteer on New Year's Day? All you need to do is follow the QR code to fill out a short-form background check. And the time commitment for the service is 1110 to 115. And... um, if you fill that out, here's how you do that. If you're like over 40, uh, you take your phone and you turn the camera on, all right? You point your camera up here at this QR code and you keep pointing it at it. If you have to, maybe make the screen a little, little closer. Uh, and eventually, that there's gonna be a little square that's gonna kind of come around this on your camera. When that happens, you touch that square, okay? Then that takes you to the page where you can uh, register for this. If you do this, if you use the QR code, you sign up for this, we will be in touch with you about this, okay? So uh, l- let's consider that. I, we we um, uh, love the kids and are inviting you into that for this one. Who knows, maybe you're gonna go back there one day and say, hey, I want, I want more of this. I wanna be back here more often. So here you go, Amanda.
2: Awesome, thanks, Van. It really is a joy and an honor to get to be back there with the kids. So we're going to get ready to receive our offering. So I'm going to invite the ushers to go ahead and get in your places. And there are a few ways to give. Um, they're all listed, but there are, um, you can use an envelope in the seat in front of you and give with cash or check. You can do text to give with the information on the screen. Um, or there are boxes along the back wall that you can give in as well. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll receive the offering. So Jesus, thank you just for this season and this time of remembering you and you being so near to us. We just ask for more of your blessing in Cincinnati on people's hearts that they would just sense you even more and deeper in this season. Yeah, and we just bless these offerings and these gifts. Thank you for how you're using them in the church and that your hand is on them. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and receive the offering. And now I'm going to invite Dana and Julie Connor up on the stage. This is Dana and Julie. They lead our Healing Rooms ministry here at the church. It's a monthly ministry that meets to pray in um, teams for people that come with any healing needs. And they are awesome. And we've also been hearing that there's awesome stories and testimonies that are coming out of Healing Rooms. So would you guys tell us some of those stories, please?
4: Yeah, we have a couple that we're going to share today. My wife, will, Julie, will share the first one, and then I'll share the second one.
5: Yeah. So um, as Amanda said, we meet once a month. It's the second Saturday of every month. Um, we break out into teams, usually two or three, and pray for anyone who comes. Um, some weeks or some months it's 10 people. November was a really big month. I think we had almost almost 25 that came for prayer. So it really varies. Um, the stories we hear from people vary. Their um, reactions with the encouragement they felt varies, but um, everyone leaves encouraged. Um, and It's really cool when we get to hear um, healing stories, and so that's what we're gonna share today. Um, So in November, as I said, it was a pretty busy month. Um, We had one woman come in. She uh, was clearly in pain. Um, She had swelling in her face. Um, You could just tell she was not comfortable. She had a hard time even opening her mouth fully to speak. Um, And so she was um, taken with the prayer team and was telling her story, and it was that she had an infected tooth in her left side of her mouth. Um, She'd gone to the dentist um, pretty recently before coming in here for prayer, and the dentist did some x-rays to see what was going on. And when they did the x-rays, they said there was a a mass in her jaw. Um, So the tooth was infected, but there was a mass in her jaw. Um, And the dentist was pretty much like, I'm not touching anything until we figure out what this is, because to him, it looked like a tumor. Um, And he wanted her to figure out what was going on there before they touched it. So she came for prayer. several other physical things she needed prayer for, but that was the, the, the specific prayer request she had. And so her team prayed with her. Um, they spoke the word of the Lord over her. They read the Bible, spoke words from the Bible over her, and um, spoke truth over her. Um, they prayed in the power and the authority of Jesus. Um, she was totally willing and accepting to to get healing. She was ready for it and um, was confident. And so when she left that day, she. Um, filled out the response card and said she felt really encouraged, she felt a release of peace. Um, when she was getting prayer, she felt like the team that she was with really cared for her, and she felt comfortable and safe, and um, she said she just knew God was going to work it out. So we, we were like, keep in touch, let us know. Um, she had told us that she was gonna getting, um, going to be getting going to an oral surgeon in about two weeks to get evaluated because, again, they did think it was a benign tumor, and so they needed to figure out what the next steps were. So um, a little less than two weeks later, on November 22nd, she went to an oral surgeon and they did um, x-rays of the whole side of her face. Um, and when x-rays come back, there was nothing. Nothing was there. There was no mass. Um, That's awesome. It was gone. It was totally gone and she was just floored. Um, so she got in touch with someone here and then uh, I was able to speak with her this week and just hear her story. And she's just so excited. Um, her family's excited. She's got... Um, family that are believers that, that are Catholic and that um, would seek more, I guess, to communicate with Mary. And so she was able to say, hey, look, we don't need Mary. We can talk right to Jesus and he can heal. Awesome. Um, and she also works in a hospital at, in a, a cancer unit. And she said, um, she's as a believer, she's not always just open and able to share the gospel there. You know, you kind of have to wait for a window for someone to open the door for you to share um, in that setting, and she said, um, with receiving her own healing she's had opportunities to share with coworkers and with people that she's serving there Who have cancer and just to tell them what what the Lord's done in that's her life awesome. And so we're just excited that that's more awesome. healing is gonna like keep coming from her story and testimony and the belief that she's Encouraging others for yes. healing and so yeah, that's we amazing. Love hearing that's
2: awesome Praise <laughs> yeah. God that is so awesome
4: And another story real quick we had a lady named Dave um Debbie come in on in August in July of this year um, for several things, but one was she had been diagnosed with heart failure and she was going to she was scheduled to have a pacemaker put in. She um, started having heart issues in September of 2021. Um, she had the EK the full um, everything test EKG cardio. Um, cardiogram and her percentages were real low. That's when she was diagnosed with heart failure. Um, She tried medications. It didn't react well with her body. She tried cardio rehab. Um, Her percentages were still low, still um, heart failure. She had um, gone into the hospital multiple times during this time. So she came in prayer for in July um, and the team prayed for her. She um, felt God's presence. She felt um, lightness. She felt um, less pressure in her chest and so she um, and she was very thankful on her card too. She said that she knew God put her on the right team with the right uh, people to pray for. Her. And then in September she went to the doctor that was going to put in the pacemaker. They did the um, cardiogram and her percentages were very high, very much higher than it was before, and she was no longer um, considered heart failure. So she didn't have the pacemaker put in.
2: Wow, that's awesome.
4: And she actually, last week, she went to her heart doctor, um, full checkup, and her heart is, is good, um, no complications, and she she even said, she even told her doctor she believes that this was a miracle. And wow. he said that he had to agree with her because he doesn't know why um, it changed. So
2: That's amazing. That is amazing. Praise God. That's awesome, guys. Um, so those are all of our testimonies. Like, I'm ready to, like, share those with people that I want to get prayer and receive Jesus. So those are things that we can share with people, um, especially this time of the year um but if you feel like any of those like if you have problems with your heart if you know people or people in your family that have problems in their heart any mouth teeth jaw any tumors in your whole body um and just confidence in sharing testimonies i'm gonna just pray and release that stuff really quick all the stuff that we saw happen god's gonna do it again so um receive any of that that you need so jesus we thank you for those powerful testimonies thank you for how you're working here in this church in this ministry in cincinnati ohio and we just release your presence right now to do those things again in this room. And to anyone watching, that these things can be done over the live stream. So all heart failure levels be increased to where they're normal right now in Jesus' name. Mouth pain, infections, tooth pain, jaws, be healed right now in Jesus' name. Any tumors and any bodies, dissolve, be gone. Not only be benign, but just be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you for your power and your presence. And we just release a new gift of faith to ride on these testimonies and these words to share about what you're doing in your power with the people around us, especially at work and the people that we see every day. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, for your power and your love. And we receive it and welcome it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm going to... I'm going to welcome up Luke now, and he's going to share the message with us today.
6: Hey, guys. Man, that was inspiring. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. I want to talk to you this morning about the love of a king. So love was a pretty big deal to Jesus. In fact, Jesus gave the famous two greatest commandments. Who has ever heard of the two greatest commandments before? The two greatest commandments, which are, number one, love God, put in simpler terms, and then number two, love people. We're going to look at more closely at the two greatest commandments in a moment, but one of the fascinating things about the two greatest commandments, if I could give you a little bit of a sneak peek, is that Jesus made this incredible statement after he gave these two commandments, and he said, for on these hang all of the law and the prophets. So what's Jesus saying when he says the law and the prophets hang on or depend on or are dependent on love? What he's essentially saying is the Old Testament law that God gave the Jewish people to give them a way to be in relationship with him and to be a nation that was holy to him and that would be one that would be a blessing to the world the old testament law all of it and the prophets culminate in these two commands there's 212 commands in there but all of them what Jesus is saying all of them are they culminate into these into this love god and love people and then you see the new testament writers after Jesus affirming these commands with sayings like God is love and above all else, maintain constant love for one another. So when you look at the rest of the New Testament, you see that these two commands are framing all of the other commands and prescriptions and descriptions of Christian living, all of it, love God and love people. So what's the point here? The point here is that loving God and loving people is a pretty big deal in the scriptures. And if we are a follower of Jesus, it should be a pretty big deal to us. It should be actually the central thing, the central deal. And the reason for this is that fundamentally, you and I were created to love. Like we were designed to love and not just to love, but to receive love. From other people, but first and, more, first and foremost, from God. So we are actually designed for love. And this is why when our love becomes deficient in some way, either towards God or towards people, or compromised, or it's, it's not pure, or it's absent even, we not only harm the relationships of the people around us, but we actually harm ourselves. Because we were designed to love, and if we don't get love right we're not again we're, we're harming ourselves we are we are living in such a way that we weren't designed to, and with that often comes the the dysfunctions of our lives, the insecurities of our lives. So what I feel like God really wants for us this morning, and what I think he gave me is I think he wants us to identify what are those obstacles in front of me to better love? What is keeping me from loving God with my whole heart and loving people with my whole heart? You see, what we tend to do is look at all of the ways that we are loving well, focus on that, and minimize the ways that we're not loving well. Well, I'm super gentle and kind and patient, so I'm doing a pretty good job with love. Yeah, you know, sometimes I bend the truth because I don't want to make the person feel bad, or I don't say the hard thing I know they need to hear, but I'm pretty loving. That's true. You are pretty loving. I am pretty loving. We all have our strengths in love, but it's overcoming the obstacles that I feel like Jesus wants to challenge us to do today to identify where, where are those places where I'm not the greatest at love. Maybe I've got patience, kindness, and gentleness down, but I don't have correction and confrontation down. You know, correction is actually loving if you do it with the right heart and mentality. More on that later. There are, so many, there are so many aspects to love. And so what is your obstacle? Who, maybe it's a who. Who is really hard for you to love? right now? how? What kind of love is really difficult for you? Be thinking about that. I feel like the Lord wants us to overcome those obstacles today. So we're in the Advent series, and I love it that we're doing the Advent series, continuing in that ancient tradition that the church has been practicing for thousands of years, literally. Now, we've said this before. I'll remind you, the Advent is us celebrating both the birth of Jesus and the second coming. And what we're kind of doing, it sounds strange. We are remembering the fact that he's coming again while we celebrate his birth. And today we're looking specifically at the love of our King Jesus. So let's talk about it. Let's look at the birth of Jesus. Jesus. One thing I want to say about the birth of Jesus or the incarnation is that I think we so often look at the birth of Jesus as the start of the story when it is not at all the start of the story. The birth of Jesus is not the beginning of the story. It might be the beginning of the end of the story, but it is definitely not the beginning. The beginning, of course, would be the story of God and his chosen people Israel all throughout the Old Testament. Now, we typically in the evangelical church, maybe some of you have heard this, maybe you haven't, so it might be news to you. We often talk about the Old Testament as this was like, you know, the Jewish people and their law and their covenants. We look at the Old Testament and we say things like, the Old Testament story is there so that we can see how much we need a savior so that we can see that we can't do this on our own we can't attain righteousness on our own we can't make things right in this broken world and make things right between us and God on our own we see how the Jewish people and the Israelites failed miserably at attaining that through the law and through their own actions and so we see that we need a savior and all that's true but what I want to do is, if you could just imagine with me what it would be like to be a Hebrew person in the year 1 B.C. Or, you know, you know some people say Jesus was born in like 2 B.C. or something, not instead of zero, whatever. The year before Jesus was born. I want you to imagine what it would have been like to be a Hebrew person, a Jewish person then. And you're probably not thinking, if that's you, you're probably not thinking, oh, Everything that's happened in my people's history so far is to show us that we really need a savior. (laughs) That's not what you're thinking. In fact, you're not looking at as a human failure story. You're probably looking at more as a God failure story or at least a God abandonment story. What do I mean? You see, God, he chose Abraham, told Abraham, I am going to make a great nation out of you And that great nation is going to be blessed and be a blessing to the whole world. That was a promise God gave to Abraham. And then Abraham, his wife couldn't, she was infertile. She couldn't have children. But miraculously, she is able to, she conceives. And what that should do, just to pause, is make us think who else was miraculously conceived. Now, I'm not saying that that. Isaac was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but there's a parallel there that we're supposed to notice. Jesus was miraculously conceived, and Isaac was miraculously conceived. Again, not the same way, but still, miraculously. And so Isaac comes onto the scene, Abraham and Sarah's miraculous son, and from Isaac comes a large nation of people, millions of people. But then they all become enslaved in Egypt, and how long are they in slavery for? 400 years. And again, coincidentally, the time between the Jewish people coming out of exile and the last prophet speaking and Jesus coming was about 400 years. Again, another parallel. So they're enslaved 400 years, God delivers them, and what we read is that God says, I didn't deliver you, Israel, and choose you because you were the greatest nation that has ever been on the earth, or you were impressive. In fact, you were pretty unimpressive, is what he says. But I chose you because, first, I loved you. And second, to fulfill the word that I spoke to your father, Abraham. So God chose Israel and brought them out of slavery because he loved them because he was fulfilling his word to Abraham. And we need to understand that it's not God was fulfilling his word to Abraham, so he had to love them. You know, it's not like you tell your friend, yeah, I'll watch your kids, I really hate your kids, but because I love you, I'm gonna watch them. No, it's like God, he didn't just wanna fulfill his word to Abraham, he did. But he genuinely, truly loved the people of Israel. He had affection for the people of Israel. He loved them. Love of a king. So then, you know, just to summarize a bunch of stuff, God wanted to be Israel's king, but they said they wanted a human king instead. So God compromised and says, okay, I want to be your king myself, but I'll have now like a regent king that is a human being who I will accomplish my will through, but he can be your human king. And we get to David and Solomon and it seems like the kingdom of Israel and the promise that God had given Abraham was complete and they expected it just to continue on forever. Why? Because God had promised that not only would Israel be a blessing to the earth, but that Israel would eternally be a blessing or that the kingdom of God in, as Israel's king would go on eternally. And so you can imagine it was super confusing when a few generations later, the kingdom of Israel splits in half. The northern kingdom abandons God. The southern kingdom spends a few hundred years flip-flopping, kind of taking one step forward, two steps back. For every one good king, you've got two evil kings. Until eventually, God just tells them through the prophets, you all have been so faithless to me. I am sending you into exile, you will now become a conquered nation. Israel becomes a conquered nation, and when they finally get to come out of exile and return to their land, they don't get to be a sovereign nation anymore. They are like a vassal nation underneath another nation, the Persians, and eventually the Persians are replaced by the Romans, and so you lead up right before Jesus, and you've got a people who are like, well... We were in exile 400 years ago. We came out. God hasn't shown up. Yeah, He told Abraham that we were going to be a blessing to the whole earth, but probably not anymore. Um, we've probably just gone too far. We're probably we've been too disobedient. We have forsaken God so many times that He's officially cut ties with us. And then there's rumor that a king is going to be born in Bethlehem. That king is God coming himself to save his people. Not trying to do it through a person anymore. Coming himself and not just coming to save them, but coming to be their king. You know, the the wise man bringing... Gifts to Jesus, that was a common practice when a king would be born. Foreign dignitaries would show up with gifts. And, and so we have this picture of, oh, this, this new king of the world is being born, but then he's in a, he's in a cave, in a manger, in a, um, which that sounds like a romantic term, but like a feeding trough, you know. And that just shows us that, yes, a king is being born, but this is a completely different kind of king than the kings of the earth. And his kingdom is going to be radically different than the kingdoms of this earth. And God did that. He came himself in Jesus because he loves us. Because he loved his people and because he wanted to fulfill his word. That through his chosen people, the Israelites, he would bless the entire entire world. Which that's why we all get to be included in. We're a part of the entire world. And of course, the ultimate fulfillment of his word to bless the whole world through Israel was the fact that Jesus himself was from, was an Israelite, descended from Israel. And so the, the seed of Abraham or the, the offspring of Abraham, the, um, the prophesied savior, Jewish savior, Jesus would come and save the whole world, bless the whole world, just like God promised Abraham. And Jesus he commanded his disciples to do two big things love god and love people so we need to get this we need to get this right love is a really big deal to god he he came because he loves us he told us the whole old testament law was all about love and then he said the main thing i want you to do the central thing that i want you to do is to love So let's take a deeper look then at those two greatest commandments. Now, after Jesus was born and he grew up, he was a rabbi. And so because Jesus was a, obviously he was God, he was was savior, he was king, but the way he was initially received by his first followers and disciples would have been as a rabbi. He was following in the tradition, the Jewish tradition of rabbis. So because Jesus shared these two greatest commandments as a rabbi, we need to receive them as apprentices of a rabbi or receive them as the apprentices or the disciples of a rabbi in that time would have received them. So let's talk a little bit about what an apprentice is. Imagine an electrician's apprentice or a plumber's apprentice, or maybe a a resident doctor who's apprenticing to become a surgeon or something. Like, apprenticeship exists all around in our culture. And this is what the disciples of Jewish rabbis were like. They were like apprentices. They weren't like we are now, where, you know, they might follow their rabbi on Instagram and share the favorite quotes that their rabbi puts out and listen to a few podcasts, but go on and live their normal life. Like these apprentices, they were, they for a portion of time, they fully devoted their lives to the life of their rabbi. And the apprentices, it's, it's very different from the way, unfortunately, a lot of people follow Jesus. Like again, imagine an electrician's apprentice. Imagine you want to learn to be an electrician, and you decide you want to apprentice under someone who is an electrician. One thing you don't do is you don't go to that uh, that master electrician and say, hey, I'd love to be your apprentice. Um, I've got time usually on Fridays from like 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., and sometimes on the weekends, and yeah, you know, Thursdays, I I think I can make Thursdays work. You don't ask the person you want to apprentice under to fit their life according to your schedule. Do you? No. You say, here I am. Tell me when you're working. I'm going to come and apprentice under you. Apprentices fit their life into their master's schedule. Sobering quote from a book I'm reading called that we're actually selling up at the bookstore called the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is most of us are actually too busy to actually follow Jesus. <laughs> most of us are too busy to follow Jesus. And how do we know that? Well, you know this is going to sound challenging, and I'm speaking to myself too, so don't, don't be discouraged or feel ashamed or judged. But how often do we when we see that you know, small groups are starting to happen or when we're challenged to, to start giving more financially or when or we're challenged to start serving like Vans appeal this morning, how often do, is our first thought, do I have time for that? Do I have time to serve more around here? Do I have time to go to a group that might meet twice a month to further my discipleship with Jesus? Do I have, and then of course with money, do I, do I have enough money to give more? That shouldn't be the first question. If we're truly wanting to be apprentices to Jesus, you know what the first question should be? What does God want me to do? Does God want me to serve? Yes, okay, then my schedule is subservient to that word from the Lord. I don't try to fit God's word into my Schedule. And there's grace. We all do this. There's grace. And I don't think that God is looking at you, pointing a finger, scowling at you for thinking this way if you ever have before. But let's go on a journey together to not think that way as a church. To not think, Am I do I have enough time to do what God's called me to do? Do I have enough money to do what God's calling me to do? Do I have enough energy to serve in the way God's calling me to serve? Let's let what God is saying be the fundamental thing. If you're an apprentice, you also, you don't pick and choose what you would like to imitate about your master. You're not, if you're a surgeon apprenticing under another surgeon, you're not like, oh, I see that you insert the scalpel there. That's a good idea. I think I'm gonna insert over here though. (laughs) You do exactly what they do. You base your entire practice exactly around what they're doing. And then maybe over time, when you've been doing it for decades, you nuance it and stuff. But when you are apprenticing, it's, you're not trying to like innovate the model. You are, you are imitating fully what the person who is way ahead of you is doing. You're imitating it. And then finally, your goal as an apprentice is not to just learn what your master does and then have that knowledge, but to actually do it. Like the point of being an electrician's apprentice is that you can be an electrician and do electrical work. But how often in the church do we do all of these trainings and go to these conferences and listen to all these podcasts and read these books and learn how to do it, but we don't actually do it? Amen. Again, I'm challenging myself. If I'm challenging you, know that I'm also challenging myself. I mean, just a few days ago, I was at Kruger with my boys. I saw a woman with a brace. I felt God nudge me to pray for her. I didn't do it. I felt too busy. I felt too stressed. I felt too much like I wanted to get home. And so I didn't do it. So I'm speaking to myself too. We all, I mean, I think we all do this. But if we're going to be an apprentice of Jesus, if we're actually going to follow him the way that he commands us to follow him, We got to, like this whole, like these two greatest commandments, they're going to mean nothing if our mindset is, I pick and choose what Jesus tells me to do. I do some of it, I don't do others of it. Or if our mindset is, yeah, I do what Jesus tells me to do when I have enough time or when I have enough resources or when I have enough energy. Like if those are our mindsets, a sermon about loving God and loving people is pointless. So we have to start with, Lord, how am I not viewing you as the master of my life? Like maybe you said the prayer, but is Jesus the master of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Does he dictate everything about you? Is he the most important thing? For a lot of us, that's our biggest obstacle to love. Our obstacle to love isn't that we are short-tempered. It's that we've called ourselves a Christian and we've said the sinner's prayer and we're saved. I believe that. So I'm not saying you're going to hell, but we've done all this stuff, but we haven't actually told Jesus like you're the king of my life and you are whatever you say comes first above everything else. Some of you, that's your obstacle. What the Lord's inviting you to do today, again, not with a scowl, but with, a, with kindness in his eyes, but with seriousness, he's inviting you to take your next step towards being not just a Christian or someone that goes to church, but an actual follower, disciple, apprentice of Jesus. Let's read this scripture. Mark 12, let's, let's start in verse 29. So if we are, if we're apprentices of Jesus and if our entire life is about imitating what he does, doing what he does, thinking the way that he thinks, fitting our schedule into his schedule. If that is where we are, let's read what he says is the most important thing for us to know. 28, actually. One of the scribes came up and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear Israel, the Lord is our God, The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I have a few thoughts I want to share about these two greatest commandments. I actually think, some people would disagree with me, but I actually think that calling them the two greatest commandments is actually a misnomer. I don't think we are supposed to be viewing these as the two greatest commandments. You see, when Jesus gives these in one place, he starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, and a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does he mean by and a second is like it? I used to think he just meant And the second command is, you know, related to the first command because they're both about love. But I think he was actually saying is, hey, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. They're both the greatest commandment. And we're not actually supposed to view them as two separate commandments. We're supposed to view them as one great commandment Love God, which automatically implies loving people. And love people, which automatically implies loving God. You see, you can't be committed to loving God and not committed to loving people. And be actually obeying the the love that Jesus defined. And you can't be committed to loving people and not committed to loving God. You see, most, most people they tend to emphasize one side of the coin of love and they de-emphasize, and a lot of times it's on accident, but they de-emphasize the other side of the coin of love. So think about yourself. This could be another obstacle for you. What are you more focused on in your relationship with God and in your following of Jesus? Is it loving God or loving people? Are you more bent to have quiet times with God Read scripture, worship passionately, pray, serve, but then be short-tempered with the people around you. Be impatient, share unkind words, gossip, hold unforgiveness. Or are you always thinking about how you can love people better, but I don't think I've actually had time with God in a few weeks. Typically... And I'm not saying for everyone, for a lot of us, another obstacle can be, I have my greatest commandment out of whack a little bit. I tend to emphasize God a little more than people, or I tend to emphasize people a little more than God when I'm loving. And so God's inviting you to get that in balance, and it's really important that you do, because if we're too focused on just the loving God side of the coin, and not enough on the loving people side of the coin, eventually our love for god is going to be corrupted and perverted it's going to become religious it's going to become the kind of christian who the world sees and then wants nothing to do with jesus and then on on the other side of the coin, on the other side of the coin to continue the metaphor when we prioritize too much the loving people side of the coin and not the loving god side of the coin eventually We're not going to be really loving people. We're going to be doing what makes them feel good. We're going to be comforting them to their own detriment. We are going to be harming them with our niceness and kindness. If we don't get them both in their proper emphasis, one corrupts the other, eventually. So some of you might have an obstacle of, I love God really well. I don't love people that well. Or I love people pretty well. I don't love God that well. The Lord's inviting you to overcome that obstacle, to go on a journey with him to address that obstacle today. Final thought about love. When Jesus calls these the greatest commandment, of course, what he's saying is that they're the most important. It's the most important thing. The most important thing is that we love. What I think he's also saying is that We should think about the other commands in Scripture as being a part of love. We should do that, and we should also not do it the other way around. So, for example, think about worship. I think when Jesus says these are the greatest, what he's saying is we need to view worship as a part of love, not love as a part of worship. Does that make sense? Like, when when we worship, it's... We do it first and foremost because it is a way of loving God. And when we are patient with people, we are patient with people because it is a way, it is one slice of loving them. To give you a visual, if this is love, you know, maybe there's, this is worship. And then we've got patience and I could go on, I could go on, but what we shouldn't view it as is, you know, this is worship, and a part of our worship is loving God, and then maybe another part of our worship is something else, etc. cetera. So here's why I'm sharing that with you. I feel like God wanted me to emphasize this morning, I'm going to do it quickly, that love doesn't always look like niceness. But even when it doesn't look like niceness, it is still a part of love. And let me explain that. And just to give a little bit of a caveat, some people do think that like God's mission for them is to, okay, I'm about out of time. Let me fast forward. Okay. Here's here's what I really want to say. I'm not even going to do the whiteboard. Um, Sometimes correcting someone is the most loving thing you can do. Sometimes telling someone, hey, when you say that to me and others, it really comes off as prideful. When you do that, it really seems selfish. Hey, I know you're just wanting, you're viewing me as a safe person and you want to be able to talk to me about what's going on in your life. But I really think you're starting to trend into gossip. Like sometimes truly loving someone is not, doesn't look like just doing the nice thing. And we see this with Jesus, right? He said the primary commandment is love. He washed his disciples' feet. He commanded love your enemies. He he blessed his those that were mocking him while he was on the cross. He was more loving than any of us will ever be in our entire lives, yet he also harshly criticized the religious and political elite of the day. And so we see there comes a time where love can look very different from like warm, funny, warm fuzzy Santa Claus Jesus that all of us sometimes get pigeonholed into thinking God looks like. And so my, the thought that I really wanted to share about that, though, is that when we feel like God is calling us to love someone through correcting them or through confronting them or through saying something that is blunt or direct, the key is that we do it because of love, not because of anything else. You see, when we do it because of personal offense, And then we call it love that's when we're hypocrites. When it's like I'm giving you the harsh word right now that I think you need to hear but what's motivating me to do it is not actual love for you it's that you said something that offended me then I'm out of love. Wish I had time to develop that more why don't you stand with me. (laughs) Jesus We want to be your apprentices, we want to be your disciples, we want to base our entire lives around you. You said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I ask for a blessing on us now to do that. You said, love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, give us the grace to love the people around us with our whole hearts. In in Jesus' name, amen. And as you leave, as you leave, I just want to say that uh, just go, be blessed in Jesus' name with the love of God both on you, in you, and through you. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. (laughs) Prayer teams, come on up. Sorry, prayer teams, come on up if you want prayer. If you want prayer, we've got prayer teams up here.